Good morning. Turns out I was really excited uh, when I realized that I'd be talking to you this morning on Good Shepherd Sunday. That's because just a few days ago I submitted my final paper for a class I was taking at the Catholic Theological Union on the Gospel of John. Diane graciously loaned me a huge stack of books on the subject from her personal library for my research. So this morning, you'll be getting the benefit of all my knowledge of the fourth gospel. <laughs> what I will do with the other eight minutes, I could not tell you. I'd like to talk about sheep and why being one is countercultural, or perhaps more accurately, how being a good sheep with a good shepherd is an act of protest. As I was thinking about what I wanted to share with you this morning, I realized that I'm sure no small number of us at Emmanuel, whether in the pews or up here on the altar or the pulpit, are Midwestern born and bred. As a result, there are probably quite a few of us who have either worked on a farm or grew up on one or had a relative, a parent, grandparent who did. Anybody? Let's see hands. Ah. It's always risky to have people raise their hands just in case nobody does. <clears throat> uh, so, in any case, my grandparents were both born to farming families in northern Minnesota in the first part of the 20th century. By way of local color, I'll tell you that as kids, they both lived in the vicinity of a place called Sleepy Eye, Minnesota. Now, when I was little, I had no idea where to find Sleepy Eye on a map. But my grandfather always said it was near Walnut Grove, where the TV show about the Ingalls family took place. And that always impressed me, so I left it at that. I never did know exactly what sort of animals and crops they had on their family farms. By the time I was old enough and interested enough to ask my grandfather about it, uh, most of the finer details had been lost to the passing decades and long since forgotten. That being said, I distinctly remember asking my grandparents whether they'd ever had sheep on their farm. My grandfather rolled his eyes at the very suggestion and gave me an emphatic no. He told me that all of the Western movies I'd seen growing up were correct. Sheep are ill-tempered, stubborn, spitting, and smelly. In writing my sermon this morning, it struck me that sheep being ill-tempered, stubborn, spitting, and sweaty makes them quite a bit like people. <laughs> Human beings can be a rough crowd, I think you'll agree. People, especially seminarians, particularly preaching seminarians, like to think we know everything. Humans always want our own way, and we don't tend to get red in the face and make awful noises, and yes, even Sometimes we can be pretty smelly, but that's another sermon for another time. One thing that sheep will do fairly well is to follow each other until they get where the shepherd wants them to be. Now they may go bleeding and hollering at him, but nonetheless go they will. I'll grant you that shepherds themselves are kind of a rare sight even in rural places in the 21st century. But in the time we're talking about, that's Jesus' time, they were as common and ever-present as mechanics or bus drivers or any other trade in our own day. The problem with the sheep, however, is that aside from the aforementioned spitting, 
they will go wherever they are led. And if the shepherd or the hired hand has a mind to, he or she can lead them right into a ditch or a lake for that matter. Furthermore, like most people, sheep aren't noted for the vast amounts of time they spend engaged in critical thinking. When they're being led by the shepherd, they go where he tells them, even if it's not to their benefit. A bad shepherd won't know where the sheep should go or where there might be things that they could get into and try to eat that would make them sick. More to the point, perhaps, is that the bad shepherd, or as Jesus tells us in this morning's gospel from John, the reckless hired hand who cares even less for the safety of the flock than the bad shepherd, simply doesn't care at all. Of course, to the bad shepherd, the sheep are worth what? Money. But the sad fact is that to the farmhand, excuse me, to the, to the bad shepherd, that's all they're worth. And what's worse is that to the hired hand, the sheep aren't even worth that much. He works for the same amount of pay regardless, so it isn't really worth his time or his effort to make sure that the sheep eat what they should, or that they don't fall in the stream and drown, or tumble into a rut in the pasture and lay there and die in the noonday sun. And in that regard, it's worth noting at this point that sheep, left to their own devices, will make the same mistake over and over again. Does that sound familiar? If they fall into a ditch and get so stuck that the shepherd comes looking for them, they will walk right back into the same ditch after he gets a rope and with a great deal of effort and time hoists them out of that ditch, gets them right turned up and back on their way. Now lest I belabor the sheep analogy for too long, too late I'm afraid, let me get to the point. As I'm sure you've guessed by now, we are the sheep being led in John's gospel from today's lectionary. And just like our gospel sheep and the other ones I mentioned, we as human beings tend to go where we're led for good or for ill. And just like our biblical sheep, the places where we often decide to go when left to our own devices or those of someone unconcerned with our well-being are often, in fact, usually not in our best interest. Because you see, while sheep may tend to want what in my beloved adopted home state of New Mexico is called loco weed, we human sheep tend to be goaded along by dreams of money or fame or political power. And we will wander all over God's green earth, figuratively or literally, to try to get those things. And what man or woman in their younger days, or even their older ones for that matter, hasn't made bad decisions on account of what we thought was love, or a job which we thought was our dream and which turned out in the end to be not much more than a waking nightmare. I have no small number of friends from my college days who back then never stopped talking about going to law school. So they graduated college, and they took the law school admissions test. They were admitted to a program somewhere or other, only to find out that to them, it felt like torture, which they promptly dropped out to escape. My friends, we can often, if not nearly always, be led astray by bad shepherds and hired hands when, the attempt to follow, when we attempt to follow the ways of the world. Later than this morning's reading, but still in the Gospel of John, we hear that familiar biblical refrain that, that we are to be in the world, but not of it. 
This isn't because God doesn't want us to have fun or he doesn't want us to live into our human existences. Quite the contrary. We are called to serve the living God both here in the sanctuary and out there in the community where the pain and heartache and desperation of the world at the hands of those who don't care for us can seem nearly insurmountable and at times they may actually be. When we are told to be in the world but not of it, what we are hearing is a cautionary instruction. The reason that we are called to love and serve the Lord by loving and serving each other is that both frankly and unfortunately because there are so many who won't or can't. Maybe they haven't heard God's call to loving missional service. Maybe they have heard it but have chosen for reasons not known to us to ignore it. Perhaps they are unable and lack of strength or health or resources could be to blame in that case. But as we read in the gospel passage this morning, so many will not hear nor heed the will of God because they have been led astray by those who would rather twist the word of God or break it altogether for their own selfish ends. To become rich in money or other resources like power and influence. How often have we heard about pastors who are meant to be shepherds and stewards abusing the authority of their call to awful and even deadly ends and leaving unsuspecting parishioners and other community members in their wake, confused, broken, and alone. We must hold priest, pastor, vestry, and fellow parishioner alike accountable for actions taken in the name of God's church, and if we don't, I fear we can expect to find ourselves like the sheep we've been talking about, alone, far from home, and upended in a ditch of someone else's digging. We must hold the feet of politicians of all kinds and at all levels to the fire, because if we don't, the resources they are called to steward will be squandered and misused. We are required by our own call to stewardship and creation care to hold to account those in control of the wheels and chimneys of industry lest they release a cloud of toxin and pollution sufficient to quite literally blot out the sun. And finally, we must hold ourselves accountable through discernment and formation to know right from wrong both within our beloved church and without its doors. And with that, I'll leave you with a short word of what I hope is a useful thought. Not about sheep, but rather about sand. A few minutes ago, I mentioned my beloved New Mexico, a place which is in large part desert. It often happens, I'm told, that someone becomes lost and disoriented in such a place, thinking themselves better prepared to handle its challenges than they actually are, or worse yet, having no idea even what those challenges are. When a person crawls across the desert, their mouths and throats parched for lack of water, searching for a tiniest drop, at some point they will begin to hallucinate. And when they finally arrive at the point where they beheld these beautiful shimmering images of ponds and lily pads which were not there, they will proceed to drink the sand, which is. Not because they're thirsty, 
but because they cannot tell the difference. And that, my brothers and sisters in Christ, is the real danger. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.